Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always joined by Will, about to celebrate his first Father's Day Murden. How's it going today, mate? I think this will be my second one, my man. Is it? Uh, yes. This is horrifying. Yeah, my, my daughter is 18 months <laughs> that old. Is, that is true, she is. So this the math is, there. Yeah, nailed it. Uh, lucky I don't teach maths. Actually, I do. Anyway, let's push past this awkward introduction. Uh, how is the rest of your day going? How's your weekend? We are off to a cracking start here. Uh, weekend was good because college football was back. Kind of, yeah. I mean... Something that was supposed to resemble college football, yeah. It was brilliant. There were two ripper games that we're going to get into here and that was, that was nice. On a personal level, we dropped our first footy final. Mm. I know all the listeners out there are keen to see how we can go this year and whether we can back it up, but... Uh, not looking good after after dropping the first one. We got the double chance, so we're another we're in there. We live to fight another day. It just means that now my father's day is spent uh, playing football and missing out on the afternoon game uh, on Sunday, which is probably the most disappointing part. Well, lucky for you, you've already had a father's day, so and we all know that now. So. Correct. And also, the Oklahoma State game happens to be on Saturday. Friday night over there, so I would have missed that had I had to play on Saturday, so (laughs) wonder how that happened. Happy days. Match fixing, apparently. Okay, like Will said, we are going to touch on uh, the two games that did happen in week zero. Uh, We will talk about week one games. We've got the championship draft to get through. We've got bold predictions, and then we go on the punt as well. So we've got a lot to get through even though there really wasn't a whole heap of news this week, nothing special came out. But were there any sort of, apart from the obvious maybe enjoyment of the fact that college football is back, did you actually take anything away from a holistic perspective from week zero based on only two games? I mean, I just really enjoyed that they were two very entertaining games, two very different games. Watched them both. Uh, one was a defensive slugfest, really. I mean, there was twos and fro's in it and it was it was a tight tussle and then another one where it was just all over the shop hawaii were were getting after it and throwing the ball around and then arizona would claw their way back and you just didn't know how that one was going to end and to you know finish on the last play of the game falling a yard short i had a few boys sitting around me watching it while i was out for my uh, afternoon lunch on a sunday and they were really getting into it because that was that was an ending and they're like this is what college football is about like, <laughs> Get on board, boys. <laughs> I got a podcast you should listen to. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I've probably never rated week one. I think we're seeing a few more bigger matchups in week one. I don't know if that's fair. I mean, there's always the occasional marquee matchup, but we're seeing more and more come out as being relevant, I suppose. Uh, and there's a lot of mistakes in week one. There is some sloppiness because they don't get the, tr- the the trial matches, the practice matches that the NFL get, that the AFL get, that lots of other sports have. And with such a short season, you know, there's just getting up to game speed takes some time. So that was the thing for me. Yeah, I mean, even a short preseason for them, really. Yeah, What yeah. is it, like four-week camp or something yeah. where they're really into it and going? That's not a long time, especially nah. when you compare that to Aussie rules or some of the sports we have here where you run for months, like yeah, a number like of months in yeah. the lead-up to yeah. before you get going. For sure. I think the other thing is I am now shying away from freshman quarterback uh, a little bit. So we will talk more about that as we head into the week one previews. But... Well, let's jump straight into, is there a game that you would like to touch on first? I mean, like we said, college football is back, but we had 
13 turnovers in total between the two games uh, and a lot of sloppy play penalties, uh, missed tackles on for both games. So uh, which gross outing of college football would you like to start? I with? don't call that gross. That's what, that's what you like. That's why this game is better than the pros because you have that element in it. It's not so mechanical. It's not so perfect all the time. There's that element of people who rise their game even raise their games probably the word that I should be using there uh, and are able to dominate opponents uh, at a level that you just don't really see at the NFL so I, I don't look down on that let's let's go the earlier game we'll go Miami Florida I know you want to get this one out of the way perhaps. I do and without me going on too much about it because I've lived it uh, over the last few days. But what were your kind of takeaways from the Florida-Miami game? Probably didn't go as you were expecting. Um, no, I mean, not to the extent that I was expecting. So it was very much in that it was a defensive tussle. I expected both of the defenses to control the game. Uh, I thought that Florida would be a little stronger and get a little further away than what they did. I didn't expect it to be so tight. But I still expected both teams' defenses to shine, and, and they really did. Uh, we, I mean, we really saw everything Felipe Franks has to offer in terms of you got the really good and then you got the absolutely mind-bending stinkers that you're like, what, what is going on here? What has he done there? Yeah, I, I think Felipe Franks is who we think he is. And this Heisman talk, I don't know where they're getting it from. Maybe he's improved on that intermediate passing game but I didn't see it on the weekend uh, he threw that really nice seam ball to Josh Hammond that went for 60 odd yards that was an impressive throw and the other big play they made was Kadarius Tony on a 66 yard effectively screen pass but you take those two plays away and he struggled and his decision making at times was really really bad they didn't run him as much as I thought they might uh, he does have a cannon and that's not in any question but there was times where he, I mean, he threw two really, really bad picks. There was one where he had two guys running free across the middle and he overthrew it, turned into an interception, and he could have literally thrown it to either one of those guys. And the last one was with about four and a half minutes to go. Miami's got no timeouts. And he, I don't know what he was looking at. And he threw an interception with his receivers, literally with his with their backs to the quarterback. I don't know what that play call was. I don't know what that pass was. It was horrific. We were both just blown away by that. I mean, we were sitting there going, that doesn't happen in this situation. Like, if just the fact that you're passing the ball is kind of risky enough as it is, but surely it is ingrained into you that if it ain't there, tuck it and go or throw the fucker out of bounds. Do not turn it over in that situation. And that was just, yeah, an interesting one. And then and then you you know, you know go on that drive, and then on that pick, Miami gets an unsportsmanlike conduct call. So they go back 15 yards. I think there was a, a clipping on or a, a cut block on the next play uh, that put them back 15 yards. And then Miami had fourth and a million, and... We're able to convert. And Florida gave away a pass interference. But like, it was just a comedy of errors. Uh, I will take an L on one part of it. I think Zuniga played really, really well. Uh, to me, the actual surprise was Greenard on the out. The two outside guys just manhandled those Miami tackles, particularly on that last drive. Ventral Miller did a good job from his linebacker position on delayed blitzes. 
Uh, and the, you know, the place where I thought that, you know, there was going to be the measuring stick was I thought that Miami's defensive line would do a better job or get more pressure on Felipe Franks. Um, and Florida's defensive front would get less than what they got. Yeah, I, but, I was going to yeah. say that because you did say that, you know, Florida's defensive line wasn't all that, and they just set up camp in Miami's backfield. I mean, they had 10 sacks on the day and a total of 16 tackles for a loss. So across that, that's 25% of the offensive plays were negative, which is just huge. Like, you just don't see that. So that's why... Uh, Miami struggled to convert on their third down conversions because they were often in pretty poor positions. And and the overall in this game, Miami had the turnovers. They did enough to win it. But because they were so far behind the sticks so often, they went, what, 2 of 14 on third down and 0 for 2 on fourth. And you compare that to what Dan Mullen did. I mean, he was well, He couldn't convert a third down either. No, he they just converted all their fourth They down. just did it on fourth down. And that was ballsy. I mean, that fake punt early on, dude has wheels. Yeah. Got, got going, six-yard pick up there, converted that. And then they had another three opportunities and, and got them all. So that's a combination of gutsy play calling, but also good play calling too because, you know, there's a few plays that are regularly run in that spot that are quite predictable that you like calling out that just get blown up and a waste of time where they've obviously you know seen the right read done what they need to do and and make sure they get the yardage yeah uh and you know credit to florida they got out of it and you have to do that i mean the other thing is miami committed 14 penalties which didn't help uh they didn't get the run game going, Florida, which I thought was a little bit of a surprise. Neither team really managed to, to move the ball on the ground particularly eff- effectively. Uh, and overall, just a, a sloppy a sloppy game. I think from a Miami perspective, there's a lot of positives for them. Obviously, Jaron Williams did a pretty good job. The play calling on the first drive was pretty immaculate. Yeah, how long have they been working on that? Because that was pretty. Yeah, but then they went away from that. And Dan Enos has taken a lot of heat over the week about his play calling and the fact that he didn't go back to that kind of motion shifting game. Is that from you on the message boards there? No, or? it's not from me, no. Uh, but he did go away from that and it was a, it was an odd one. It was, I don't know, the whole game felt a little bit weird and then both teams probably deserved to lose it at times and it was almost a like uh, the, the occasion of who can make the least amount of mistakes and... As it turned out, Florida get out of it, and then Dan Mellon was really, really positive after the game, and he took heat for that as well. So Yeah, I mean, you're right, though. Florida get out of it, they get the win, that's good for them, that's what they needed to do. They didn't need to win pretty, they just needed to win, and on the flip side, Miami, whilst it's not a great result, a win would have been huge for them, there's a lot of positives to take out of that. There's a lot of experience that they'll get from that. They were young in a number of key positions, especially at the quarterback. So I think that's going to be a good result and they showed a lot more than I expected and I think that could be a good stepping stone for them in the ACC. All right. Well, after that, I mean, Miami now has the week off. I believe Florida do too. So this is going to be an interesting week one. Normally I'm really excited about week one, but week one's going to be a little bit flat perhaps for me. I'm not entirely sure how I'm going to feel about it. Well, we still haven't found your darling team yet, have we? No, and that's another issue. I need to find that today. Maybe in today's episode. At so. some point we need to call it out because I've got mine. I'm, I'm all Virginia Tech so, and Cincinnati. You are, you are. So we need to get you involved so that there's more uh, interest from you, mate. It's probably going to have to be like a reasonable game this this uh weekend though it can't just be like oh you know someone's playing 
Let's go LSU Georgia Southern. Yeah, yeah see, that's a ripper. Yeah, I'm not getting on board that. All right, let's move to the Hawaii-Arizona game. Now, as Will has already mentioned, Hawaii do get across the line. Go Rainbow Warriors. A touchdown in, again, another game that was marred by six turnovers for the Warriors. Having said that, Khalil Tate threw some interceptions at big, big times as well when they had all the momentum. Uh, JJ Taylor was kept in check for the Wildcats as well which we thought he might get off the chain a little bit, but that didn't happen. I mean, this one was just nuts. Arizona had some troubles getting to the game on time. Their police escort didn't rock up. They were slow to get going. and That's Hawaii, baby. Aloha. <laughs> yeah, they just made it happen. Cole McDonald got off to a hot start, and Hawaii jumped them, and they were never able to kind of claw their way back into the game. Uh, having said that, they tied it up you know, in, into that third quarter well, and late in the second as well. Khalil Tate looks better and healthier and bigger and looks like an absolute weapon still. But that Arizona defense needs to help him out and give him a chance to be able to make all those plays with his legs and arms. He goes over 300 through the air and over 100 on the ground. So he did his part. You know, what do both teams take away from this Hawaii take a hell of a lot. I mean, do you know what the the win percentage is when you have a turnover rate uh, of negative four? It would be pretty low. Yeah, I don't. I'm just <laughs> okay. asking. But I'm with you. Like that, that would be incredibly rare for teams to win with that sort of turnover differential. It's key in football to hold on to the ball and. They didn't do it, and it didn't seem to matter. I was just shocked that they were still two scores up after throwing four picks. It was like, how does this happen? This just doesn't simply add up. But at the same time, the way that they play football, they're going to have these big chunk plays. Yeah, they're going to turn it over, but they're also going to have a bunch of 60, 70-yard touchdown catches. And Cedric Bird, woo-wee. He went off. Again, though, he did this last year. Week one last year, he went for like 180 yards and a number of touchdowns. 180, is that all? Now he's had 224 and four <laughs> touchdowns. This dude, like we all need to get around him for his off-season workout because whatever it is, is tits. Like yeah. he is just a man possessed at the start of seasons and he had one hell of a game. So the... The Rainbow Warriors, I was expect were expecting to have a really solid year, and I was expecting them to have a good showing in this game, and they did, and and that's a great news for them in their quest for the Mountain West this year. Arizona, on the other hand, as you mentioned, it was impressive to see Khalil Tate go, but defensively, yes, that's a good offensive unit you're coming up against, but you need to find a way to contain that. Yeah, and. I don't even know where to start with Arizona because I was actually picking them to be a team on the come up. And like we said, every team does improve from week, their first, I say week one, it's not week one, week, their first game to their second. And Arizona will improve. And their offensive side still looks really, really strong. But they just, you know, got beat out of the gate. And, you know, and, and we, you know, we actually said that if that, that was the only way Hawaii were going to be able to win, is if they jumped them out of the gate, Arizona started slow and their defense played poorly, then maybe there was a chance. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, and overall, Col McDonald, I mean, you read Col McDonald's stat line and it looks sort of good until you hit the four touchdowns, but uh, sorry, the four interceptions. 
But it wasn't the inter- it wasn't just the interceptions. It was the interceptions he threw were horrific decisions. Uh, so there's there's a lot to improve for both sides there. But well done to Hawaii. They get their first win and and they will do some damage in the Mountain West. I think I, you know they're not the best team, but uh, they will they're going to put in a tough showing. And as always, it is a tough trip out there. For sure, yeah, they're going to be good fun to follow again this year. Okay, let's move along then to the championship draft. Now, Will, you're going to have to update us again on how your strange system is working this year, so take us through it. Yes, so update of our championship draft. For those of you who listened last year, we've had a slight shift in how things are going. Uh, This year, we are retaining the teams that we select, so we're not trading in and out. We're building ourselves up a stable. Uh, Last week in our season launch, we selected... Uh, three teams and these teams are now going to be bucketed up for when we can select them so they're either going to be in the top 10 in the AP poll uh, between 11 and 25 or unranked and who we get to select is based off of how the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors travel the week before so if they score greater than 40 points which they did this week we get to add a top 10 team into our fold if they go between 21 and 40 points, then it's 11 to 25. And anything under that, then we have to pick an unranked. Okay, just a question, a couple of quick questions on this, which I probably should have clarified last week. But what happens if the Bows keep just putting up massive scores and there's no one left in the top 10? They will be, mate. This is college football. Things just turn over. We'll, okay. We'll have guys to choose from. I'm not I, worried about that. Okay. And lastly, well, obviously, if a team jumps up into the top 10 or drops out, obviously they're eligible from a week-to-week basis. We're not just going Correct. like... Yeah, yes, okay. it is at that point in time when we select. Okay, cool. So Hawaii scored over 45 points. Well, that means we're picking for in the top 10. Who's going first? You are, mate. So I selected first last week. With my first pick, I picked Georgia. You followed suit with Michigan. Yep. Then I had... Wash- uh, that, sorry, then you had Oregon yep. and I had Washington in yep. our little snake draft here. Good. Then I went USC and you went Miami, which, mm, not looking great now. <laughs> you never know. That is exactly like, right. Yeah. It was close. That loss is probably going to age horribly. but, but It yeah. was close to vaulting them into relevance for sure. So you're picking first now, my man. Okay, so top 10. I don't love a lot of what's in the top 10. Obviously, Florida's not doing much for me. I am going to go with probably... One of the last favorites left. Obviously, we can't pick Clemson or Alabama. We've uh, given them to the listeners. I'm giving them to the listeners. I'm going to take the number four team in the country. Uh, they've been to the playoff in the last, definitely the last two years. Before that, I can't actually remember. But I'm going to take the favorites in the Big 12, and that is Oklahoma. Okay, that's good news. I'm, I'm glad you're doing that because I don't really want to take them. <laughs> it just wouldn't feel good. Okay. <laughs> so you t- you take them off the board and I'll go the other Big Ten powerhouse. I'll grab Ohio State, happily join them into the fold and we will see how this progresses. Okay, so you've got Georgia, uh, Washington and USC. Along with Ohio State. Along with Ohio State. And I've got Michigan, Oregon and Miami to go along with Oklahoma. I don't really rate either of our squads to be honest with you but i, know, I think, you're, I think you're going better than me you take alabama and clemson out and all of a sudden <laughs> it just looks garbage yeah, i know 
anyway, uh, we'll see how this little thing tracks throughout the year. All right, so probably time to head into week one preview. It's here, football's here. In terms of the volume, uh, there are a lot of games spread over a lot of days. So if you've got some time off over this weekend, and by this weekend, I mean starting on Friday, uh, Australian time. Finishing on Tuesday. And finishing on Tuesday, Australian time. You should be able to get some games or game in or even parts of a game. So we will start on Friday morning uh, and we're just going to run through the biggish games. There is a lot of tune-up games. Exactly, yeah. So for those of you who are listening for the first time this year, we're not going to cover all of the games. We're going to cherry-pick the ones that we like. We're going to skim over the ones that have some relevance uh, that we look at and then we're probably going to have a bit of a deeper look at the marquee matchups that we think are worthwhile watching over the weekend. Okay, so let's start on Friday. UCLA uh, head to Cincinnati to play the Bearcats. Who do you think, what's your pick there, Will, and why? Uh, You know I'm big on the Bearcats this year. You are. I I think they're going to be good for this one. I'm excited to see this game. Uh, I'm going to struggle to be productive in the office on Friday morning. I have the day off, so... Oh, look at that teacher life. You on strike again? (laughs) Not on strike, although it wouldn't surprise me if that happened again sometime soon. I don't know. I'm not part... Well, actually, I better not say that. (laughs) Um, No, it is a show day. (laughs) Show day. Nice one. Okay. You remember those. Yeah, well, I'm thinking of taking one this year. Now I'm a dad. Yeah, okay. I haven't been the Coming up for your second Father's Day. Exactly. So I'm thinking of having a show day next week and maybe getting on down. Okay, cool. Let us know. I won't be there. Cool, cool, but, cool. Uh, anyway. Who do you like? UCLA, Cincinnati. I'm going to take Cincinnati. I think Desmond Ritter and Michael Warren will look to put up yards, certainly, hopefully points. Uh, their defense was really, really strong last year. UCLA, on the other hand, are looking to get their offense going under Chip Kelly in year two. So they should be improved. Uh, you know, Cincinnati coming off 11 wins last year. UCLA coming off only three, and I think went started 0-7. And, and they've had some big hits at the, their linebacking group. They've, they've yeah, lost they a have. few there so through ineligibility and stuff like that. Yeah, so whilst I, th- I think this is actually going to be more low scoring than people think, but I think I'm going to pick Cincinnati. I'm going to pick Cincinnati to get over the top of UCLA. I like it, mate. Me too. Cool. Uh this one won't take us very long. Georgia Tech head to Clemson. A massacre. Boy, oh boy, will it be a massacre. Uh, so we'll probably both take Clemson there. Utah at BYU. This one could be an interesting one. The Holy War, which is the name of this game between these two teams, is re- is rarely a blowout. Either way, it's always close. Utah obviously go in favorite to win the Pac-12 South. BYU coming off a nine-win season themselves last year and and have got a good young quarterback. But, you know, what's it going to be? Who's going to get across the line? I'm I'm tipping Utah, but I think, you know, they're only six-point favorites at this stage and it wouldn't surprise me if it if it is around about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this will be uh, probably a tight game. I think Utah are the much better football side, but this is a rivalry game and rivalry games in college football 
really mean something. It's it's not like some of the rivalries that get talked up in Australian sports where some of them, yeah, there is genuine hate and others, it's probably not so much that way anymore. College football, a lot of the time, there is a lot of passion that goes into these ones. So that always means that when you're on the road, you're the travelling team, the home fans are up and about for it. And this fan base whoever it is at the college level is often kids who have had a fair bit to drink. I don't know about BYU, what they're dealing with there. <laughs> but they can get pretty rowdy and you can have quite an atmosphere there. So it can be a tough place to play. Okay. Uh, that takes us through Friday's game, Saturday games. Uh, so if you do have some time on Saturday morning, we've got Wisconsin at South Florida. Now, I don't think South Florida is going to be uh, that good this year. Uh Cone gets the start over Graham Mertz at uh, the QB position for the Badgers, and they'll look to run Jonathan Taylor until he can't run anymore. Uh, and I think they probably get the best of a South Florida defense that was shaky against the run last year, and Wisconsin will get over the top, despite the fact that that is down in South Florida and it'll be warm down there. So. Uh, maybe the boys from Madison might be a little bit or might struggle with the heat a little bit, but we'll see how we go. Yeah, I mean, there's some big, uh, heavy fellas up front <laughs> who are probably not not used to that sweaty <laughs> Florida humidity, Florida weather. But I think Wisconsin are the more talented team here, and that will show. They're a well-coached unit, so I think they're going to be ready and up for it. Uh, I'm not super bullish on their prospects this year as, as challenges in the Big Ten, but I expect them to easily account for USF. Okay. Uh, I've snuck this one in here, my love child from last year. So Purdue at Nevada, I don't think Nevada's going to be any good, but it'll be interesting for me to watch and see if Purdue are kind of the real deal or whether it was a bit flashy in the pan last year. I'm a bit concerned here that you are kind of giving them a trial run as to whether you're going to accept them (laughs) as your team again this year. Like they have a good win and you're like, yeah, they're they're mine. Or if they look a bit shaky, you're not willing to commit. Well, actually what I'm after is that I've found following college football for a while, I've always been Miami focused and obviously when you came on board or kind of we spent a bit more time together and I, and I like Oklahoma State mainly because you do and now I've got Purdue but kind of like this year's championship draft I want to add a stable of teams that I am kind of that I like and I'm comfortable with not that I outwardly hate many teams but I want to feel good about watching you know UNLV okay <laughs> that's what I want okay I want to be happy to see North Texas, Mean Green, play football. That's what I'm about. Yeah, I feel you. Because when you do pick up these other teams, for whatever interest, and it's you know part of why I gamble, uh, <laughs> you, you tend to take more of an interest. You read more articles about it. You learn more about the program. And then naturally, you just become you know, more A pseudo-fan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think we'll take Purdue there. Uh, Colorado, Colorado State... Uh, the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Another big rivalry game that's often difficult to predict. It is. I mean, the location is delightful. Boulder. It is in Boulder. The game will probably be worse than the visual appeal of the surrounding area, I would think. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's tough to not back in Colorado in this one. I know it is a rivalry, but because it is in Boulder and Colorado have been a stronger team since getting up in the Pac-12 and you know having some success there 
I think Colorado State might struggle in this one. I agree. Uh, the last one on Saturday morning, which you would be really excited about, is the Oklahoma State Cowboys head up to Corvallis and play the Beavers from Oregon State. Is there any reason for you to feel a little bit nervous about this week one? Uh, you know, just a little bit unknown, a little bit messy maybe. You've got a new quarterback as well, uh, starting for the Cowboys. You know, what's going to happen and will Oklahoma State get across the line? I mean, all it took was for me to throw a football final to be able to watch this. <laughs> but there certainly is a, a little bit of nerves. The more that I've kind of read into this team, I mean, Oregon State from the outside don't know a huge amount about them. I'm like, oh, they're no good. You know, we're, we're going to smoke them. They're the worst team in the Pac-12 and, and we should easily, easily account for them. But they have a running back by the name of Jamar Jefferson. Jefferson who went off last year. Just He had 1,300 yards on the ground and 12 scores and an average of... Six a clip almost. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. He topped the 200-yard on two occasions. And if there's any weak point in this Oklahoma State outside of just defense in general, <laughs> it's our defensive line. Like, we have lost... We're starting across the board on the D-line, and that's not good when you've got a dude who can obviously tote the rock. So... I'm a little worried about that because our game is very much up-tempo, controlling the ball, scoring a lot. If a team is able to grind it out and consistently run five, six yards, put together 12, 16 play drives and score at the end of it, that could shake us up a little bit. So whilst I'm still supremely confident, I Do- think, doesn't sound like it. I think that there's certainly enough there for Oregon State fans to certainly be tuning in and for me to not be super cocky and over the top with this one and, and to respect that Oregon State unit. I mean, on the other side, you've got your own quality running back in Tuba Hubbard. I mean, you don't own him, obviously, <laughs> but Tuba <laughs> um, Hubbard is a quality running back for the Cowboys. So you've got to be excited about what he can do as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we offensively, our weapons that we have do not concern me. The whole quarterback battle, I'm not so worried about because one of those dudes will emerge. There's enough skill, talent on the field for whoever's distributing it to be successful. It's just that defensive side where I lose a little sleep. Okay. Uh, Sunday, as we head across to Sunday morning, which is obviously Saturday, in America, and that is when majority, by far the vast majority of games are played. And as the season settles in, you know, more and more games end up on that Saturday or Sunday here in Australia. So there are a number of games to get through. Let's go with Alabama versus Duke. I don't know why this is. And it. Boise State head to Florida. Well, they head to Florida. They don't play uh, in Tallahassee, but Boise heading almost across the country there, can they perhaps, you know, get a bit of a an upset on the road uh, against a Florida State team that's going to be looking to bounce back, score a lot of points with their new look offense? Yes, I mean, this is an interesting game for me, full of, full of intrigue because you have a team that is supremely talented in Florida State and then one that probably doesn't have that talent level at it but has had a whole heap of success. It's the two ends of the spectrum. One that doesn't get in the big-name recruits, that plays at the lower level but often overachieves and then another one who does get all the dudes and 
of late has not been living up to that billing. So to see this play out on the football field, it's going to be intriguing. Yeah, I think that Boise are going to have a really hard time of it. Ooh, okay. I think, and this comes back to my uh, fear of freshman quarterbacks. Not that Jaron Williams did a bad job, but he's after seeing what Tua did and Trevor Lawrence did, and I kind of probably got, I fell into the trap of thinking that all freshman quarterback can come in, even Adrian Martinez, all freshman quarterback can come in and really tear it up. And the reality is, is that's not the case always. And again, the majority of the time, quarterbacks struggle, particularly freshman quarterbacks and true freshman quarterbacks. And Boise are replacing Brett Rippon with Hank Backmeyer, and he's on the road. He is a freshman and he's going against still a very talented defensive front. You yeah. know, I, and I think that's enough. That's enough for me to be wary about their chances. I'm 100% with you there. So I initially had this circled as one that I could go after on the punt. I thought Boise State are a good show here. They're not going to get the respect from, you know, the money being spent out there because people see FSU and there's still that attraction to it, even though they haven't really shown much. But then when I saw that they had the freshman quarterback traveling on the road, Enough for me to throw that pick away and say I'm steering clear of this bad boy. Okay, uh, and and another one will be interesting to see if uh, you know if Kendall Bryles has had the influence that they want him to on that Florida State offense as well. Uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, Will Muschamp against Mac Brown. What's going to happen here? Have, can North Carolina overcome their deficiencies talent-wise? And, you know, a South Carolina that was supremely entertaining last year and seemed to be in every game, whether they would win it or lose it, it was always close for the Gamecocks. Uh, you know, can Sam Howe and the Tar Heels actually give this a shake or are they just a couple of years away yet? I think they're still a building team. I don't expect them to win this game, but I think... What Mac Brown will bring to the program is a bit of stability and discipline to that unit. I, I think they're going to be a very competitive team this year, more so than they were last year. I just think that that talent gap between themselves and South Carolina is going to be too much for them to overcome, especially early on when they're, when they're adjusting in this you know, change phase. Okay, uh, let's jump up to the Northeast and Virginia Tech head up to Boston College in Chestnut Hill. Do you, obviously you give the Hokies a, a fairly good chance against AJ Dillon and the rest of this BC offense, uh, but is there any chance that Boston College is going to win this? I mean, there's certainly a chance. They're they're a very good football team, and they're as I was saying just then, they're they're a disciplined unit. They're often in games to late in the piece, so I expect them to be similar in this one obviously I have high hopes for Virginia Tech this year and I think that they'll get over the line in this one but it's certainly not going to be a cakewalk especially with AJ Dillon that man child child, yeah just (laughs) muscle hamster (laughs) 2.0 just rolling down the field good luck tackling that yeah I'm going to take Boston College I know Bud Bud Foster's not going to want to go out with you know the smear, almost the single smear on his record last year defensively. They were really, really poor. And he'll be looking to turn it around. But I think BC get the better of them. Uh, and Virginia Tech will be improved, don't get me wrong, but it's never easy traveling up there. Uh, in the last few years, Florida State and Miami have had issues up there being kind of 
you know, apparently reasonable teams, but, you know, they've had issues going up there and winning. So I'm going to say Virginia Tech will follow suit and they're going to struggle. Okay. Virginia at Pitt is a, you know, we've talked a lot about Virginia being apparently an ACC coastal favorite. Uh, Pitt losing a lot, particularly the running back position. Is there any way that Virginia don't win this game? Oh, there's certainly a way. I mean, I'm not in on Virginia. I know you're, you're not either. I still need to see what happens. Pitt are the reigning coastal champs, so oh, God. you need to respect that. <laughs> do you? I think you do. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, this one certainly is to be played out, and I think that Virginia are probably in a better place. They have a couple more playmakers this year. They've a more settled team. They've got a few more coming back. But I still think that this is going to be a, a good early ACC matchup. Okay. What's with uh, the ACC having all these Ripper matchups week one? I think because they're not very good. And I, I say that. I, I, don't, I think the ACC gets a lot of heat for being, you know, maybe the fifth of the power conferences or the Pac-12. You know, that brand recognition and the fact that there's a perception problem with those two conferences... I don't know. That's just the way scheduling goes. So uh, no doubt there'll be times later in the year where the ACC is all playing cupcakes and everyone else is in conference matchups. So it all, you know, swings and roundabouts. All right. We will head to... There is a game on Monday, but we'll... Pro- oh, actually, sorry. Before we get to Monday's game, there is Fresno State at USC. Now, Fresno State are probably in the top two or three or four group of five teams. Let's just say handful. Yep. Yep. Or five. Uh, group of five teams is there any chance that they go into the Coliseum and maybe give JT Daniels and that USC shaky shaky offense and defense uh, a run I certainly I certainly rate Fresno's chances here Uh, I think they're a very good football team and until we see something from USC I'm not willing to pencil them in as the better team I mean last year they were quite disappointing yes they've got the talent but similar to how I feel about Florida State I'm not going to discriminate here it's I want to see something on the field this is a very solid Fresno team so look out yeah Jeff Tedford's got them going really really well and I mean if my bold prediction's coming true USC are taking a loss here so I'm picking the Bulldogs okay uh, okay, as we head to Monday, we do have a game on Monday, but we'll come back to that one. There is a game on Tuesday as well, Notre Dame at Louisville. Is there any th- reason to believe that Louisville are going to be anywhere decent enough to walk into South Bend and keep this within three touchdowns? I do not believe so. I think one of the storylines of this offseason has been Notre Dame's kind of downplayness, if that is a word, which it isn't. <laughs> Uh, well, they've been quite quiet. They, there hasn't been a lot of hype around Notre Dame, which is unusual because they're a well-followed team that had a really successful year last year. I mean, stack them up against Alabama last year. Both teams went undefeated through the season and then got smacked by Clemson. One, you hold Alabama as this still, you know, absolute powerhouse, where the other one, you've just completely almost written off what they achieved last year and said... Oh, they've lost a lot on defense. They're not going to replace it. That school still recruits at an incredibly high level. I think they're going to win this one easily. 
Okay, yeah, I can't disagree with that. Okay, as we head into the marquee matchups, we're going to deep dive or deeper dive on three of these. So if we come back to Sunday, Northwestern head to Stanford, uh, a Big Ten versus Pac-12 matchup. Uh, Hunter Johnson is the kind of talented quarterback that's getting his first start for Northwestern. Uh, but... Again, for me, I'm conscious of these quarterbacks getting their first starts on the road, big environment. Uh, the Stanford defense, while replacing a lot, should be relatively good again. Uh, and we know that Northwestern are going to battle and keep it close, but they're going to have to do it on the arm of Hunter Johnson, which we just don't know enough about yet. Uh, compare that to the Stanford side with um, KJ Costello and his big receiving targets. I think the only way that Northwestern get across the line is if we've got a really sloppy outing by Stanford. Uh, they will keep it close, but I think that the Cardinal will get across the line. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's certainly... It's a tough road trip. You're literally traveling across the entire country. Uh, and Stanford are always a solid unit, but I think that Northwestern are plucky enough. Plucky to really take it up to them and in a surprise, tight, late, last-ditch effort, get over the line in this one. I've just got a feeling that they're, they're going to be able to get it done. Don't worry, I'm not uh, betting. I'm not taking us on the punt <laughs> with my feelings this year. Yeah, good. <laughs> but I just, I just feel that as per my bold prediction, Stanford are going to be a bit down this year and I think it's, we'll start to see the cracks week one and Northwestern will expose them. Okay, cool. I don't hate that as a pick. And I feel like if Hunter Johnson just really makes me excited, if that happens, I could see Northwestern being a team that I could get on board. Okay, yeah. I don't, I don't know why. I don't love their unis. You look that, good in purple, though. That probably, grape is my color, but that probably would get on my radar enough that I would turn them loose. Okay. I don't know that they've got enough uh, combinations for uniforms that I'm happy with. So maybe not Northwestern, although if Hunter Johnson, you know, maybe takes it to another level, I can be okay with them. All right. All right, the next game, uh, which again is on Sunday, uh, Oregon-Auburn. This appears to be the marquee matchup of the weekend. Well, this is the only one where we've got two ranked teams coming up against each other. And you've got an Oregon team that... Again, we talked about the perception problem with the Pac-12. If anyone needs this, more than Oregon probably, it is the Pac-12. They would love to see them get across the line. You've got all the pressure on them, all the hype. Uh, they've got a pro prospect in Justin Herbert at the quarterback position. Going against what will be a very favorable Auburn crowd, no doubt. Um, and it's strength on strength. You've got Auburn's D-line, which may be the best in the nation, yep. certainly in that conversation, against Oregon's O-line, which probably outside of Michigan is... Certainly in the top handful as well. Exactly. So, which is really, really a really, really good matchup. And it'll be really interesting to see. I think whoever plays the best on the offensive side of the ball is going to win. I know that sounds really, really obvious probably, but I think... Justin Herbert, if he can get that offense going and they can run the ball versus Auburn and, you know, Gus Malzahn as a play caller is really known well to to be creative and and get that running game going to support his quarterback. And he's going to have to do that because Bo Nix is starting his first 
college football game as a true freshman. So if they can do enough to support him, if they can run the ball well enough, then they probably go and win the game. If the Ducks can run the ball enough and control the clock and control that defensive line, then they probably win. I give the edge again to the team that's bringing back the experienced quarterback. And to me, that is Justin Herbert, obviously, and the Ducks. So I'm going to take them, but wouldn't surprise me. I'm talking like a field goal or under. Yeah, I mean, this was another one that I initially looked at to bring on the punt for, for that reason that you say, that we've got a freshman quarterback in a big marquee matchup. That always is a little unsettling. So I was confident with Oregon, and I still think they're the play, but I'm just not willing to bet against that Auburn defense. I mean, they are incredibly talented, and I don't think that just because of a freshman quarterback, I can back in this Oregon team who have a whole heap of experience coming back, that they're going to come in and just be able to do what they want here because they won't. Auburn are a very good unit and they're going to find ways to get up with stops and they're also going to be able to score themselves. So this is going to be a great game. I'm really looking forward to it. I do think Oregon win. I, th- I think it's tight, but wouldn't be surprised either way. Yeah, and on top of that, we'd, we said it last week as well, defences generally go a little bit better earlier. Uh, Offences take a little bit of time to get into their groove, which again suits probably the Auburn side of things. Uh, with that inexperienced quarterback. What is the point spread on this one? Do it's you a 57 and a half over under. So I, I like the under in that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I assume the Ducks are going in favour. I actually haven't had a look at it. Uh, Auburn are actually three-point favourites. Are they? Yes. Okay, there you go. Well, I'm going to take the Ducks uh, and it will be a close one. I'll take them by a field goal. I'm going to say something like 27-24, 24-21, somewhere there. Okay, let's leave the picks to the pros, eh? Oh, all right, here we go. <laughs> all right, and the last game is on that Monday morning that we have kind of quickly skipped over, and that is Houston head to Oklahoma. Uh, should be pretty high scoring. We know Oklahoma can't play defense. Houston can't play defense really either. So it's going to be Jalen Hurts versus Derek King who can score the most. Yeah, I mean, Derek King is an exciting prospect. Uh, There's a really good article doing the rounds at the moment that I recommend you read on Bleacher Report, or I'm sure you'll find it somewhere, that highlights his progression and and what he's done. So he is a smaller guy. He's 5'10". He's often pegged as a wide receiver because he has that insane athletic ability, but he wants to play quarterback, and he's one hell of a quarterback. He broke Kyler Murray's touchdown record at the Texas high school level, and still had no offers to play quarterback at big programs, only had, you know, five offers in total, and he wanted to go somewhere where he could play quarterback. Even when he started at Houston, when they had injuries at wide receiver, he shifted, and he's played his freshman year and caught like 400 yards at the receiver position. Now, last year, in 10 games, he had 50 touchdowns. (laughs) In 10 games. That is just incredible. And, I mean... It's going to be an adjustment having uh, Dana Holgerson come in. It's obviously going to be a different style. There's still going to be air raid, but a lot of what he looks like he's going to be doing is more preserving his quarterback so that he doesn't get injured, and, and that was why he only played the 10 games last year. So I don't expect it to see it as relentless and this rush for touchdowns 
on as much as he has had previous, but he's a very good quarterback. So he is certainly one to watch, and I'm really looking forward to that head-to-head matchup with the other side of the ball, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I don't really rate Jalen Hurts still. it'll That is actually an interesting thing to watch. I mean, every, all the criticism from Jalen Hurts and, and his transfer from Alabama and the MO on him the whole time was the fact that he was a runner more than a passer. He could throw the deep ball okay, but he struggled with accuracy and really, you know, he had to run the ball to have an influence on that offense. And he was able to do that because that's what Alabama is set up to do, to play good defense. You get up early and he can just do what he does. Uh, In the same way, probably, that Kelly Bryant was at Clemson as well, a runner better than a passer, uh, and then gets supplanted by the kind of better, more accurate downfield passer. Uh, He's going to put up points, but it'll be interesting to see what Lincoln Riley has got in store for the Sooners and whether you know he can actually turn him into something more than just a running back that throws on play action. So final score on this one? Uh, a million to a million and one. Okay, so high scoring, uh, but Oklahoma on top? Oklahoma by a couple of touchdowns probably, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's kind of close up until halftime. Outside of that, I think Oklahoma run away with it. I think Houston are going to take a step back this year. I think it was similar matchup last year. They had they had this game and Oklahoma smacked them. Yes. I expect yep. the same result again this year. Okay. And that's more than fair enough. Okay, so that takes you through kind of most of the big games of week one. There is a lot of other football going on as well. So feel free to tune into any single game you want. There is a big game that we did miss though, and that is probably the Campbell Fighting Camels uh, face-off against the Troy Trojans. So that's probably one worth watching as well. Certainly is not. (laughs) (laughs) I'll watch some Campbell Fighting Camels football. Yeah, that is your FCS team for sure. That's my FCS team. All right, let's jump across. It is bold prediction time. Beautiful. I know you're excited about this. Uh, I'll let you take the reins first, but you know this is something that we do every week. We've got our three for the season, which hopefully won't end after one week, but you never know. Uh, and we do our weekly bold predictions as well. These are bold. They have to be out there. We can actually veto them if they do not meet the requisite boldness which is a word uh and uh so i'll let you go first will okay here we go so you can tell me whether this is bold enough or not i have a power five team playing at home set to get knocked off by an fcs opponent Uh, yeah okay so i have west virginia a solid power Oh, you're being five specific. Team. Oh, yeah. Oh, you are being specific. Yeah, Sorry, yeah, I yeah. thought you were saying any no, power no, no, five. No, 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 okay, no. Okay. I'm telling you, that that was the lead up to this. Okay, right. Sorry. West Virginia, playing in Morgantown, are going to get done in this week by James Madison. Okay, so why do you say that? What have James Madison got going on? They are a very good <laughs> FCS unit. So this team uh, won the FCS National Championship a couple of years ago. Uh, they made the playoffs last year. They got bounced in the second round of the FCS playoff, which we can cover off on in another session around <laughs> how the FCS playoff works. I think it might be worth a, a chat. But this team returns like 18 starters, so they have a hell of a lot of experience coming back. 
They have a new head coach coming in, but he comes in with big raps, and their defense is one of the best in the FCS level, and I think it's going to stack up well against a West Virginia team that's in a bit of flux. New head coach, massive turnover. I have concerns. James Madison are going to win this game. Wow. Uh, you know more about James Madison than I was expecting you to. I was trying to throw Bang. you under the bus there. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, well done on the research about Thank James you. Madison. Now, I I just do want to make note that FCS programs are still really, really good. Oh, yeah. Like just because they're not going to stack up to your Alabama and Clemsons of the world doesn't mean that they're not fantastic football teams. And a lot of them will hold their own at the you know lower end of the group of five teams and it's a group of five competitions as well. So. All, all the kids playing at this level are still incredible athletes. Like They're not the freakish athletes who are running 100 metres at the Olympics like you know some yeah, yeah. dudes at, at college level, but they are still a hell of a lot better than most of the average Joes out there listening to this <laughs> podcast thinking, oh, I could probably play at FCS level. Yeah. The, these guys are still incredibly talented and... The the good squads certainly w- can match it, uh, especially with the group of five teams. And a lot of these guys will have multiple offers from different schools and parts of the like. Some of them might be part ride scholarships or whatever the case may be. They might want to stay home closer to their families or whatever reasons. Get a, a better bu- degree. Exactly. There's a whole bunch of reasons that teams go to you know not your your power five group of five schools so still some very good players there interesting you've given a very specific answer there so yes certainly bold enough excellent all right your turn buddy what do we got i am going to say and you're probably not gonna like this too much but i'm gonna say that the oregon state beavers on the back of a hundred yard and two touchdown performance by jamar jefferson only one only 100 only or he'll get he'll get over 100 okay uh, and two touchdowns the beavers beat the cowboys and shock them in week one with a new uh their new quarterback and the reason i say this is that this is a team that last year jumped out of the gates running the ball really really well uh they ran on ohio state's d-line which was apparently the best in the country and put up nearly 200 yards on them uh, and and put up 31 points as well. So I'm going to take the Beavers to shock the Cowboys and shock the college football world as well. That's a garbage bold prediction. Yeah. And the person who gave it out is garbage. <laughs> There's a bit of reference to Mike Gundy's rant there. For <laughs> okay. those of you playing at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, no, I'm not happy with that. Um, that's no good. No good. And oh. that's just going to make your little rectum pucker even more this weekend you're get, you're a little bit quietly twitchy about this not game, at all I, that makes me feel a lot better now that you've done that <laughs> we're home and hose we're gonna win by four plus okay all right so you have got james madison springing an upset and i've got oregon state beating the cowboys up in corval some crap okay <laughs> it's time now to go on the punt with will here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. Dollar, dollar. Yeah, buddy. Embarrassing now, dude. Love it. Love it. Here we go. Everyone's favorite time of the week. I don't know if it's everyone's favorite time. I feel like a lot of... Whilst we head into this, I'm just going to say thank you for your download. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Feel free to just 
turn off now. No, don't. This is this is where people are dialing in. So I see, I like where you're getting the plug in there because people have fast forwarded right to this point but- <laughs> because this is what they want to know. This is where everyone is on the edge of their seats thinking, how am I going to get rich this week? Well, I have some winners for you. Before we do that, let's just jump into last week. Okay, how did la- you go last week? Last week we uh, broke even. A uh, little, little loss, but... <laughs> Nothing major, so we took a hit on the first game, uh, Miami-Florida. That was disappointing. Could have gone either way. Uh, so we both really lost out in that, in the Aaron's team lost and I lost on the punt. <laughs> Lose-lose situation, whatever. On the back of that, Hawaii did what I knew they would. Came up big. Should have backed them heads up, straight up, because they were awesome. Won and got us enough money to be able to bet again so we're back even down about half a unit so we'll chalk that one up for the season tally that will keep going if things go right (laughs) now normally you go well early in the year as well so a little bit of a shaky start for you yeah a little bit so that's why i am throwing a different wrinkle at things this year what what is the definition of insanity my man (laughs) Uh, doing the same thing twice and expecting a different result. Exactly right. And what have I been doing a lot more than twice? Putting together a wicked algorithm for who I think <laughs> is going to win and then losing a bunch of money. So, so something needs to change. I'm, I'm not a stubborn man. I'm a man who's willing to adapt. And I think I have... I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive for anyway. Don't worry about it. I'm making a change here to how I go about making these picks so that we can all benefit and make some money. I can't wait to hear your strategy. So, the, the big shift here is I'm going to start betting on trend. Okay, talk us through it. So, I'm going to identify trends that have happened in the past and where I see something that is happening frequently enough, I'm going to get on board. Okay. the I mean, this is perhaps fractionally more sound than your... Uh, you haven't seen the algorithm. algorithm. <laughs> you don't know. All right, let's get this going. So, first one, I have three units and you're not going to like this, but it's Cincinnati... <laughs> Yeah, but I like hear that. me I'm out. Okay Three units, Cincinnati minus two and a half over UCLA. It's not just because I really like the Bearcats this year. There are some stats here. So UCLA are six and thirteen against the spread in their last nineteen road games. So they're not a good road team over over a good period. Uh, they are also two and ten against the spread in their last twelve non-conference games. So they don't play well out of conference. And they are one and five against the spread uh, on field turf. Oh, you go on the field turf angle as well. So Correct. you're pretty much like Lisa Simpson on that Simpsons episode where she's talking about Dallas Cowboys after a winter game. Exactly like below right. Below 10 degrees. Exactly right. But, That's what we're going. Yeah. So we have three units on Cincinnati there. Okay. Moving along, we have two units, Utah minus six over BYU. So this is yeah. a rivalry game. Uh, not as confident in this one. That's why I've dropped down. But I do really, really rate the Utes. The trend stats that I have for you are that the Utah start the season well. They're 4-0 and uh, against the spread in their last four games in August, which is normally when the season starts. That's good. 
They're also 6-1 and one against the spread in their last seven Thursday games. So they get up midweek. They <laughs> love a Thursday game. They right? love a Thursday game. On the flip side of that, BYU, 5-11 and 11 against the spread in their last 16 games on grass. Okay. That's not good. That's not good. Look at you. So we have Utah minus six. Next one, we're going three units on Fresno plus 13 and a half over USC. Okay, okay. So I can hear you want to know what's the stats with? Why are we doing this? Yeah, yeah. Fresno, five and one against the spread in their last six non-conference games. They're a very good uh, group of five team. 14 at three and one in their last 18 road games. Fuck, they travel all right. Yeah. They are also 27-7-1 against the spread in their last 35 games overall. This is a disrespected side from those out there with money. See, I'll, I don't mind that one. I'm okay with that one. And I don't rate USC, so yeah. Well, USC are 1-7 and seven against the spread in their last eight non-conference games. People think they're going to win out of conference. Doesn't happen. <laughs> okay. Well, they well at least against the spread. Yeah. Uh, they're 3-9 and nine against the spread in their last 12 home games. Okay. I mean, I know they've been a bit down, but these numbers don't paint a pretty picture for USC. So Same quarterback, same coach, same setup. Exactly right. I'll happily take those 13.5. So three units there. Uh, and the last two units I have this week are on Notre Dame minus 20 over Louisville. Ooh. So that's Goblin a big number. Points up there. I don't like normally going after that large, but they are going to win by well more than three touchdowns. I think this is just disrespect of Notre Dame. But to make sure I'm giving you the trend stats, <laughs> the Fighting Irish are 6-2 and two in their last eight games in September. So this game t- clocks over into September. Oh, so that makes a big difference. That's why the stats are different here. 6-2, <laughs> and two, so that's good. They're a good starting team. Uh, where the Cardinal are 1-7 and seven against the spread in their last six games in September. That's a huge clash there. One team starts well, one team doesn't. They are going to smoke them. Easy money. I'm taking two units, minus 20. Okay, so just quickly, without all the bullshit thrown in there as well, give us that in uh, the abridged version. We have three units on Cincinnati, minus 2.5 over UCLA. We have two units on Utah minus six points over BYU. We have three units on Fresno plus 13 and a half over really USC. Like that one. Really and like that one. two units on Notre Dame minus 20 over Louisville. Okay, I can actually... Oh, this is getting nervy for me, but I can actually get on board with most of that. I'd be a little bit hesitant on the Notre Dame-Louisville run, uh, but the Fresno-USC I really like. Uh, Cincinnati-UCLA I like. Uh, so... We might be heading in the same direction here, William. So good stuff. And we're making us all money out there. And Will will let us know all about it if it comes up apples for him on the weekend. Well, that brings us to the end of our week one preview show. Uh, we hope you all enjoy your college football weekend. We are, or weekend, it's almost a week. So we certainly will be. Get in touch. Let us know how you're going. Let us know what you're watching. You can do that at CFB down under on both Instagram or on Twitter as well. Make sure you tell all your friends about us. Make sure you do hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review as well. And we will get season 2019 officially kicked off in just a few days. On behalf of that guy over there, my name's Aaron, that's Will, and we will see you next time.